Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. I am so happy you asked me that. So let's just say I could, I could if a no-name person, no one you've ever met, no one you've ever contacted with, somehow got got to get in front of you if it was a Twitter DM or an email and they said, hey, Pat, I'm friends with Casey Neistat and I would love him to kind of promote what you're working on. You do not care who they are, what kind of relationship you've had with them in the past. You are responding to that message. 100%. So there, <laughs> so there is- You're listening to one of the several just amazing strategies that our special guest today has mentioned on this particular episode. This is Glenn Ossop. Formerly from viperchill.com, although I think he still has that website. You may remember that name from episode three. Yes, episode three of the Smart Passive Income podcast way back in August 2010. And here we are eight, nine years later. And Glenn has gone on to do a lot of gigantic things. He talks about some of those things, but most of all, things like SEO and how to grow your business, uh, a lot of SEO, and we do get pretty granular and in, into some of the detail there. This may be one of those episodes where you might want to pull out your notepad to take notes on, but thankfully, you can rewind and always play this, and again, this is all free, so have at it. And uh, again, I'm just super thankful to catch up with Glenn again. He's an amazing, brilliant person who, when I interviewed him a while back, he was only 21, and now he's almost 30 and continues to crush it, and he's got a lot to share, just like that tip earlier about how you might be able to provide value to somebody even if you are in your head considered a nobody. And nobody's a nobody. We all have something to offer. We get into that and so much more in this episode. But first, let's cue the music. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. He reads every email he sends out loud and he still makes mistakes. Pat Flynn. What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me today in session 371 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And if you haven't already, I would love if you hit that subscribe button so you can get more episodes like this dropped into your podcast player, whatever podcast player you end up using. Uh, but again, this is an episode featuring Glenn Ossop from detailed.com. He also owns Gaps, yes, G-A-P-S.com. Not the clothing company, but more than that, 
a company that helps provide a lot of case studies for what is working in business, specifically around SEO in particular. And he's got a lot of other great strategies, as you heard earlier. That's just, this This. this could be one of those mind-blowing episodes for you. So I want you to sit back and soak it all in. Here he is, Glenn Alsop. That's Glenn with one N and Alsop with two L's and an S-O-P. Sounds like I'm rapping. But anyway, here we go. Let's get to it. Glenn, welcome back to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Uh, thanks for being here, man. How are, how are you? Pat, thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. Things are good. Um, it's it's a bit after 1 a.m. for me, so apologies if I do sound a bit sleepy to anyone, but I'm, I'm ready to go and here to help as much as I can. And it's 1 a.m. where you are. It's 10 a.m. where I am. Where where are you right now, by the way? Uh, I'm in Thailand at the moment, so I'm in, uh, I'm in Bangkok, but I'm only, I'm only here for two more days, so I'm, I'm happy we could uh, make this happen. Uh, before I before I probably have worse internet. <laughs> and and you're all over and you're doing a lot of things. And for those of you who don't know, Glenn Alsop was the featured guest in episode three. Yes, episode three in August of 2010. He was my second guest on the show ever. And it's been a long time since we caught up. He was on that show to talk about affiliate marketing, niche site strategies, and a little bit of SEO. And first of all, I just want to get caught up and see, uh, you know, what is it, eight? almost nine years later now, uh, what, what are you up to? What are you doing? What, where, where's your attention these days, Glenn? Yeah, so it was crazy. I, I started listening to the start of episode three today. I kind of wanted to see what we talked about and I couldn't do it. I just sounded so terrible. It was like <laughs> one of my first one of my first ever podcast interviews. I just couldn't listen to it. I played about 30 seconds. I had to stop it. Uh, so yeah, that, that was an honor um, nine years ago, almost nine years ago. And I still, even even today, like even this month, I still get people saying, oh, I heard about you on Pat Flynn's podcast. Great to be part of the community. So actually, I have to thank you for that. That was an incredible, that was an incredible thing for me to connect with you all of those years ago. Uh, yeah, so I know what the podcast is about. I didn't listen to it, but I know that we focus very much on niche sites and, and what I'm, you know, building. We talked a lot about pain points. So why you build websites, what are the pains you're trying to solve for other people? That is still part of what I do, but it is such a small percentage. I didn't know what you were going to ask me today or what we were going to talk about, but I started looking at all the things I've done in the past nine years. And yeah, it was a, it was a pretty huge list, but that is still part of what I'm doing, but it, it is a real small part of it today. And you had a website, viperchill.com. So you might remember, those of you listening, you might remember that name because I often reference it quite a bit. And I do still mention this episode we did together back in the day. And you were a big inspiration to me when I first started because you were this young kid. I think when we first chatted, how old were you in 2010? Weren't, weren't you like 20 or 21 or something like that? Yeah, exactly. 20, 20 years old. And and now, you know, almost 30, which is kind of crazy um, that we're reconnecting here on the show. Um, I'm curious, what are the highlights of what has happened since 2010? What are some of the big projects that you've been working on? Yeah, so I, I wrote some of them down just so I was just curious for myself. And I, I thought, God, if I if I rattle off a list, I'm going to sound a bit egotistical. Uh, so the, the what I'm about to say, the, the disclaimer I should put up front is that for every success I've had, I've also had 10 things that just didn't work out. I think that's always, I think in 10 years, if we have this conversation again, I'm going to say the same thing. But a few big things, if I get the dates right, so a few big things that happened for me in the last few years so I had a personal development blog. I think I was just still running it when we last talked. I sold that. That was pretty successful. I sold that for a mid five-figure fee. I had a WordPress plugin, which you were actually a big part of helping me with. That was a, I think I was one of the first ever opt-in form plugins for WordPress. So people could 
it was it was just basically a nice way to collect people's email addresses. You helped me a lot with that. You were an affiliate for that. And that was, uh, we made multiple, or I made multiple six figures with that before selling that business. I was offered a book deal by Wiley. They asked me to write passive income for dummies. No, that's a joke. Uh, they asked <laughs> they asked, they asked me to write viral marketing for dummies, which was I didn't end up doing that. I got paid in advance, but I didn't actually end up writing that book. But that was a that was a big honor for me. I think it was 2015. I had my first seven figure year, which is still the kind of business that I'm focusing on today. And um, yeah, today I'm just kind of I've had I've helped a lot of people on the journey, which has always been important to me. I know that's been important to you as well. When I when I was struggling online, I always said to myself, when I figure this out, I'm going to tell everyone how I did it. And I, I have a feeling what I know from you that has kind of been your mindset as well. So had a lot of success personally, uh, helped a lot of other people on the journey. But I should put the big caveat that for every project or every book deal or whatever, every website I've sold, there's also been 10 or even 20 websites I've built that just never went anywhere. So there's a lot of a lot of failures in there, but quite a few successes as well. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I do remember when you had been commissioned to do the uh, the dummies book for viral marketing. And that was a you, you had written about why you actually decided not to do that. Is that post and is viperchill.com still available for people if they want to go see those things? It's still there. I'm 99% sure that article is still there as well. I had cleaned things up about probably about a year ago. I was actually planning to redirect that website to another website I run now. Uh, so I was cleaning things up, but that article should still probably be there. But if it's not, the the short version of that is that I write very long articles. That is always what I've been known for. 4,000 words is probably a short article for me. And when I, I submitted my first few chapters of the Dummies book, they wanted me, and this is no disrespect to them, this is just how dummies books are, they wanted me to turn many things into bullet points and split everything up, and that's that's just not how I write or how I want to write, and I didn't want that to be my first book, so that that's pretty much the reason it didn't go ahead. Cool. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes and all the other things. Now, I want to know, with what you're doing now, what is the business that you are involved in now, and what are your superpowers? What, what are you helping people with nowadays? Yeah, so the thing I started out with when I was 15, 16 years old, I started building my first websites and I started learning about SEO, so how to rank websites in Google. And I everything I was learning, I was writing about it. So I had a DJing website. Ironically, that was actually featured in DJing for Dummies when that book first came out. So I had a website with a few people about DJing. It started ranking really well in Google for terms like DJ equipment, DJ forums. So I was like, oh, this SEO thing is really interesting. I want to learn more about how Google works and, and what is behind that. So I set up VibeChill, started documenting my journey, and I, I was like, oh, I just want to do this SEO thing. I don't really care about the DJ thing. I just want to do SEO for more people. So I set up VibeChill to share everything I was learning, but also with the hope that I could actually do SEO for more people. And that actually turned out to be very, very difficult. It turns out to get people to pay you money to do SEO for them, you have to be a pretty good salesman, which I certainly was not at the time. And that actually led me into doing the niche websites, which is what we talked about. So I have no issues looking back. I think everything worked out. I wasn't really I wasn't really uh, having success landing clients, but I was having success ranking my own websites. And then maybe, I think it was around 2013, 2014, I was always focused on my own sites until then. And then I kind of figured it out. I kind of figured out what it takes to get clients, what you have to do for people to pay you 
a lot of money to do SEO for them. And so what I'm doing now, um, and a big part of, you know, the majority of why I had my first seven figure year was doing SEO for other people. So 90, 95% of my business focus these days is people who have businesses, they have people working on them, they've put a lot of love into them, but they need more search traffic. And that is what I am focused on. So I didn't have success selling it to people. It was always what I wanted to do. And a few years later, I finally figured it out and got to go back to that. And where is that business at? You haven't mentioned the name of it yet. Yeah, so that is on detailed.com, D-E-T-A-I-L-E-D. Detailed.com. You also own another website, right? Gaps.com. What is that? Yeah, so so Gaps, the, the reason a lot of people ask me this, what is, what is the difference? Why do you split it up into two websites? Uh, so the reason for Gaps, I felt... Viperchill has always covered everything. So I have articles on SEO, but I also have articles on how to create better Facebook fan pages when that was really important. I have articles on how to get more email subscribers. And the thing I teach and the thing that has been so successful for me in selling SEO is really focusing on one thing, really focusing in on a niche. And I was actually doing the complete opposite with my writing. So I thought the thing that really did well for me for VibeChill. A lot of the articles people really loved is when I kind of d- dove into really successful online businesses. I actually, um, two at least two people have credited me with making them millionaires, which kind of blows my mind. There was a single article that made that happen. I talked about the success story of Viral Nova, um, and that was a kind of very popular, I think they sold for about $100 million. Basically, they were just, when Viral News was taking over Facebook news feeds, I talked about that a few people copied it and they made millions of dollars and they thanked me for that. So that was kind of mind blowing. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm covering too many topics. Let me just start a new website and I'm just going to focus on one thing. I'm just going to talk about successful online businesses, what you could maybe do to not copy them, but model their success and then how to, how to go from there. So that was, that is pretty much the sole focus of gaps. Great. Okay, so now I want to shift our discussion to SEO in particular. You're helping a lot of people do that. And SEO has been a topic that we've discussed here on the podcast and on the blog several times, and it just seems to always be changing. And yes, we know the rules of, you know, always providing value, always write great things, and that way they get shared and whatnot. But really, in your eyes, as an expert here, what is working in SEO today? How can we rank our websites and the articles that we write higher. This is something that I personally struggle with and I know a lot of my audience does. How would you recommend we go about just doing better with SEO? Sure. So maybe this is not the answer everyone wants to hear, but actually everything is working with SEO because there is so, you know, there are billions of searches made every day. There are people competing in every industry. You can have a very unattractive website, terrible content that doesn't make, that grammatically doesn't make any sense, no images on the content, and you can be making literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars per year from that website. There are people who, there are still kind of quote unquote loopholes. Usually they, they, they involve backlinks and unique sources of backlinks to rank your website higher. So the, the ideal answer for SEO is create good content, focus on the audience they're trying to serve, get genuine mentions, and you can make money and you can get rankings. Now, for the most part, that does work. That is, that is what Google recommends and that is what works. But I would be, I would be lying if I said that's the only way to rank websites. There are people doing quote unquote gray hat or shady things and they are still making a lot of money and ranking websites very well. I actually, I actually talked about one of those about two months ago on Detailed. I blogged about 
this guy, he actually became a friend of mine, Sumit. He's based in India. He set up this website and all he did is he bought a domain name that already had people talking about it. And then he just suddenly started ranking. He was making up to $35,000 a month in the health space, promoting products on Amazon just because he bought this domain name that already had links and he didn't really have to do anything as far as promotion or building a community. His content needed a lot of work. So ideally, the, the thing you should be focusing on if you, if you want something for the long term is great content, building an audience, things that people want to talk about, and then not just creating things that people want to talk about, is thinking about what would people search for. So not just creating a finance podcast or a make money online podcast, focus on keywords. So like you did, passive income. You rank very well for passive income. People search for that, they find your community, and then they're interested in what you have to say. So generally, it should be, you know, if you're thinking about the long term, it is about creating community, writing great stuff, or producing great content in whatever format, and then finding the most important thing that a lot of people don't do. They do the content, they they care about the topic, but they don't do the work to kind of connect with people or have people talk about their website, which is which is the most important thing uh, these days. Just to get get this straight. You'd mentioned that there are people who are using gray hat to black hat tactics. Is that something that's necessary for us to do in order to compete? I think it's fair to say it depends on the industry. So questionable drugs or anything like that, people who want to sell those as affiliates, there will always be messy search results. So anything to do with gambling, casino, I'm trying to think of a few others, maybe Forex in some verticals there will always be search results that just change completely. Websites that were the first 10 results one day, they won't even be in the top 10 anymore. The first 10 will totally be gone the next day. Some some search results just change all of the time. So it's definitely not a necessity. It does kind of depend on the industry that you're playing in. But I just I just didn't want to say, oh, just write great content. That's, that's not a good answer. The truth is a lot of people are not, not everyone is doing that and still they are still having success. What are some of those things that they are doing that we can do that, you know, I think I think some people might be listening to this and might be worried that either A, they can't compete in the space that they're in because other people have access to strategies and tactics and money and all those kinds of things. And it's pretty deflating to hear that sometimes where I know that that's not true. There are ways to genuinely, without a lot of money, still rank higher. And I think a lot of that comes down to research, which we'll get to in, t- in just a minute. But the other part of this is I know there are going to be people who go, oh, well, what are those strategies that we can do that um, that that are on that level? And I'm, I don't want to promote and I'm not a proponent of using black hat strategies. Um, gray hat strategies are another thing. And I, again, like you said, like gray is a blurred line. It could be, you know, very gray and it could be, you know, just not that gray. And I remember back in the in the niche site dual days, there were some things that I were doing that I was taught that were okay at the time that aren't okay anymore, such as setting up secondary blogs that then point to your primary one, which then build more authority for your website and those kinds of things. So what is within the boundaries of Google's guidelines okay to do today that maybe most people who are writing, who they're just writing and that's it, can do to help give themselves a boost? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think anyone who thinks, oh, well, maybe I can't compete or maybe there's someone doing shady stuff and I can't, I'm not going to rank because they are doing that. I think you shouldn't kind of devalue your project or your ability or your opportunity before you get started. So I wouldn't let that stop you. There's There are websites that do incredibly well. They do things by the book and they drop out of search results as well. 
Um, I haven't analyzed their their strategy, so please don't kind of dive in and say, oh, Glenn, you missed this. But a good example in the last few months, I believe it was August of 2018, drx.com. He, he was getting about 10 million visitors a month to his website and overnight it dropped to 3 million. So maybe he was doing something bad. I, I honestly haven't analyzed the website, but even websites that look totally legitimate on the service can have things kind of, you know, their search traffic and their business kind of can disappear very quickly. So I wouldn't let that stop you. I would just see it as an opportunity to just look, if you want to do everything the legit way, that's totally fine. As far as, as, far as black hat and gray hat, I personally view black hat as anything illegal. So hacking websites and putting your links in there or creating WordPress plugins that will inject links and all that kind of thing. Just really, really bad stuff. For me, gray hat is a good example of what I said before. So instead of starting a website from zero and just going, going to Namecheap, thinking of a new name or GoDaddy, thinking of a new name, buying the domain name and kind of starting from scratch, you could go out there and buy an already established website. That would certainly, that would certainly in reduce the amount of time it probably takes for you to rank pages and get content notice. So that's that is not great yet. That's just a smart thing you could possibly do. The gray hat side of things is when you start buying a lot of these domains that have they already have links and or they expired, but they already had people linking to them and you try to take advantage of that and then you point those you point those domains back to the website that you want to rank and so on. So those are the kind of gray hat things that I think about. I don't necessarily think of them as bad, as bad, but they are people who are using them as well. But yeah, if, I guess if you are if you want to do things totally legitimate and you want to speed up the process a bit, one thing you could do is maybe maybe get involved in an established website or team up with someone already doing some things. That that could be one option. Gotcha. Okay, so when it comes to writing for not just you know what we know our community wants but also for search engines you know what people are searching for you know there's a billion tools out there that we can use um, what tools do you recommend we use for keyword research to help us sort of hone in on what lanes to be writing into yeah so a few good tools out there i like to use ahrefs uh, just a disclaimer i did work with them as a client in 2018 they're a huge a uh, huge SaaS company, but I was using them long before I actually we worked together. So Ahrefs is a great one. They have a great keyword tool. I use them too. Uh, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, so definitely one of the best out there. They have a few competitors. So they have SEMrush. They have Moz.com. I was also a paying customer of Moz for a while. Um, and I I really like BuzzSumo. I like to see what people have what people have wrote that got a lot of shares and what and what got a lot of links, and then see if that actually gets a lot of search traffic. They they can kind of tell you if 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 something got 100,000 shares but never picked up any links, it's probably not doing that well in search results. So they're not a really a link or search traffic focused tool, but BuzzSumo is pretty useful for that as well. Great. And then for all of us who are going to be writing articles very soon, what what's the sort of order of operations for us to go and find out what we should be writing about next and then perhaps how to write that for maximum search engine visibility if possible? Sure. So I think that the search results tell you everything. And that is, we are kind of lucky that that is the case. So for example, if you said to me, Glenn, I want to write an article on passive income advice for people under 21 or teenagers or kids or whatever it may be. And then what, I, and you say, Glenn, do, does it have to be a long article? Should I focus on videos? I would say, Pat, just go to the search results, go and see who is ranking for the terms that you, maybe you don't know how much search traffic passive income for teenagers or passive income for under 21 kids, 
but just go type them in, see what Google suggests in the dropdown, but more importantly, go look at who is ranking. Go look at the pages that are ranking. Is it huge websites? So is it, um, I don't know, uh, Zen Habits and Steve Pavlina and those kind of websites, or is it new websites you don't recognize the name from? And then go and look at their content. Do they have 10,000 words articles, or do they just have 400 words of video and maybe an audio file or something like that? And these actually change so much. So passive income for teenagers might have such totally different search results compared to passive income for under 21s. And the, and the content people have and the focus they have in search results might be wildly different. So for anything you're looking to create, if you are also focused on search traffic for that content you're putting out there, just go look at the search results. Look what Google is currently prioritizing, and that will give you a good idea of what you should be doing as well. So if you go and so just literally go to Google, type in the keyword that you perhaps want to rank for and see what's ranking there. Go into those articles and just kind of see what they're doing and essentially just try to make something better. Exactly. So can can you make something better than what is already out there? So I, I put out, for example, I think I write I rank number one or I did a couple of days ago for expired domains SEO. So people who have buying domains that have expired. People didn't renew them, but they have links and they want to know if that helps their search traffic. I, I believe I rank number one for that in most of the variations, even though I only wrote that article last month, literally one or two months ago, and there was quite some good competition in there. So the difference I did is I really went in depth. I did a massive case study. It was about 4,000 words. I got other S experts from the SEO field and got their opinions on the website and the case study. So it wasn't just oh yes, expired domains for SEO can work and, and here's why. It was really incredibly in-depth, getting other sources, getting other voices and making that better. So I actually generally these days, I won't take on a topic, uh, at least in the public stuff that people know me for, I won't take on a topic if I don't think I can create something better than 99% of, of what other people have created. So if you search for something, if you go out there and you search for, again, just using this example, passive income for teenagers, and there's someone who has dedicated an entire website to that. They've been doing this for 10 years. They've just been studying every business model that teenagers have been involved in for the last decade. And you think, I really can't compete with that. I don't think I can make something better. It might be. It doesn't have to be, but it might be a sign that you should focus on maybe another piece of content. Okay, let's, let's say we do the research and we see the first three articles for a particular term are decent, they have long form articles, but you know that you can write something and create something better. You can even add videos and other things around it. And, and you do that and you publish your thing. Is that just, all right, I did what I needed to do and I'm just gonna let the Google gods kind of do their job and you know, eventually it'll, I'll, I'll see my article up there. I would imagine that a lot of people have approached their articles in that way and they just haven't seen any results. What can we do after we publish uh, to, or even as we're writing, to ensure that uh, we are creating something better and, and, and how do we get it out there? How do we make Google see the great thing that we've written? Yeah, so actually for a lot of your audience, this sounds a bit too maybe uh, out, out of reality, but actually for a percentage of your audience listening to this right now, that is literally all they will need to do. There is just a lot of websites. Once you've built up enough of enough authority with your website, you can write something and you can probably rank it pretty easily. I rank, I rank in the first page of Google for best food blogs, best travel blogs. Actually, I rank usually the first three results for literally best blogs or best blogs in the world. I didn't do anything to promote those. It's just my domain has authority. I created a great page on those topics 
And then every day I get thousands of people actually landing up to about 1,500 people a day landing on those specific pages because I've created something for them and I didn't have to do anything else. I didn't go and try and promote them or, or email people for links. It just kind of happened. So there is a percentage of your audience who has enough domain authority that they can create something and will actually get search traffic. But in the real world, probably 90% of the people listening, maybe they're just starting out. Maybe they have never had anyone link to their website or talk about them. So that is going to be need to be the focus. So something I really love, there's a topic called the Dream 100. I don't know if you've ever had people talking about this on the show, so I don't want to ramble on it, but I'm pretty obsessed with this. It was The idea was created by Chet Holmes, and he has a book, The Ultimate Sales Machine, Ultimate Sales Machine absolutely incredible book. And the idea is you find the Dream 100 people that you would need for some aspect of your business. So Pat, I know you are having success right now with SwitchPod. You've got that going on with Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So if you were following this model, you would hone in who are 100 people who could help me get SwitchPod and the Kickstarter out there to more people and you would forget about everything else. All of your focus would just be on those 100 people who could potentially talk about it and help you sell more and raise more money and hopefully make this a massive thing. So anyone who's listening to this now who doesn't have anyone talking about their websites, who doesn't have anyone, you know, they haven't even built a community, they might have just set up their Twitter profile and they don't have any followers, hone in on the 100 people who would be the dream people to talk about you, the people who would actually care about your content, the people who already have the audience that you are looking to reach, hone in on them, give value to them, and then once you have something worth talking about, once you've created the content, if it really is better than other things in your niche, you will find eventually that those people start talking about it for you and kind of Google rankings end up coming as a byproduct of that. Well, it sounds a lot easier than it is uh, executed, I'm sure, because you know I could write down <laughs> a list of the 100 people who I would love to speak about my new website, but... What do you say to somebody who goes, okay, I've written all these things down, but like they would never pay attention to me. I'm just starting out. Like there's no, there, like even if I write something great, I'm, I've only got five articles on my website and they're so busy. And what would you say to that person who has that sort of resistance to something like this? Because just writing it down isn't going isn't gonna to do anything. But as soon as you start to sort of try to build relationships with these people, I can imagine that, you know, your self-doubt will and resistance will get in the way. I am so happy you asked me that. So... Let's just say I could, I could, if a no-name person, no one you've ever met, no one you've ever contacted with, somehow got, got to get in front of you, if it was a Twitter DM or an email, and they said, hey, Pat, I'm friends with Casey Neistat, and I would love him to kind of promote what you're working on. You do not care who they are, what kind of relationship you've had with them in the past. You are responding to that message. 100%. So there, <laughs> <laughs> so there is something for everyone that you can do for them or care about what they have going on that they will respond to. So maybe that was a bit of an extreme example. I don't think too many people have a great connection with Casey Neistat. But for example, for me, I'm, I'm not a photographer. I have no connection with photography, but I actually know a very successful photographer on YouTube. He has a few hundred thousand subscribers. He would actually love to talk with you. I could make that connection happen and you would appreciate that. And if I told you what I have going on, maybe you would care about that as well. So there is always something that someone else is working on that you can add value to. And the, there's a great book, in the, and the title itself kind of talks about the whole mission. And the, the title of the book is Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. So can you create connections? So can you create connections with people before you need people to talk about you? So before you need links to your website, 
can you actually have people who would link to you already in your circle and in your network, that kind of thing. So some of the really, really simple things you can do and you're thinking, oh, well, this person doesn't care about me. Go and have success with their product. So if you really care about someone, you care about what they have going on, go join their newsletter. If you enjoy it, tell them about it. Offer them a testimonial. Use their product. Have success with it. No product creator, unless they're making millions of dollars already and get tons of people doing this, no product creator is going to ignore anyone who says, hey, I just had success with that product that you sell. I'd love to give you a testimonial. No one is ignoring that. Or there, there's little things you can do as well. For some people, I said, oh, on Retina screens, on Retina MacBook screens, your logo is a little bit blurry. I just fixed that for you. Here's the file. Or you don't have a favicon on your website. Here's the icon. Just I took this thing from your logo. I created that favicon for you. Just little things, anything. It doesn't have to be design related. What is it that you care about? What is it that you're good good at? I saw uh, for Gary V, he, I, I don't know what it was. It was like 10 years of Gary V or something of his videos and someone created, someone took three seconds of every video he's ever done, put them in a mashup. He had never heard of them. He, they created this 10 minute video for him. You have to know they are on Gary's radar as soon as they do that. He actually shared this video on YouTube. So for everyone you think that isn't gonna care about you, there is something about them that you can care about, you can focus on first, and if you're doing cool stuff as well, you can know that a lot of them will come back and try to help you with what you have going on as well. I love that you said that because that's essentially what I try to teach people is that they always have something to offer others even if they're just starting out. And it may not be related to the new thing that you're doing, but we all have unique abilities, unique superpowers, and it's really important to know what those things are because those are the way uh, those are the ways that you can get into other people's communities, other people's brands by helping them. Because you, you know, you had mentioned, you know, offer value into these communities. And whenever anybody says that, they never, they, they never give any ex examples. So I'm really glad that you kept going with that because that is the truth. Like going into other people's communities and offering their audience values or them themselves. I mean, this is how Derek Halpern and I got connected. He came to me and said, "Pat, I can increase your email subscriber um, conversions." uh for you in just 20 minutes can i get on a call with you and show you how i'm not asking for anything in return and he did that he showed it to me i actually filmed the video of what he did and then i shared that and then he and i have been friends ever since and i give him credit for helping me increase my email subscribers all the time and it's exactly what you're talking about so um thank you for for sharing that and being very specific there um Another thing is that, you know, a lot of times, and this is very common in my audience as well, we'll do a lot of the work up front and we make these connections and we sometimes either earn our way there or sometimes we get lucky, but we, we are getting rankings. We are on the first page and we're, we're, we're ranking. How do we ensure that we stay there? You know, SEO and things change all the time. Do you recommend, you know, a consistent audit of your, of your stuff? Do you recommend, you know, republishing? And if so, how often? How do we remain, you know, where, where we're at um, in the search engines once we start ranking where we want to be? Yeah, so, Pat, am, am I okay to give a specific example about your website? Is that, is that okay with you? Uh, it is because I can edit anything out after you say it if I don't like it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I don't ahead. think you will. I don't think you will edit it out, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, see, I'm very biased, so I didn't really say this, but 90, 90 to 95% of what DDL does right now, uh, DDL.com, we do audits for some of the biggest websites in the world. Uh, the last week or the last few weeks, I've been auditing a 5 million plus page website, one of the biggest newspaper sites in the world. They are killing it in Google. They're getting 
it's between 10 and 20 million visitors per month in Google. I don't want to be too specific just in case anyone can figure them out. But 10 to 20 million visitors per month from Google, huge website. They have a lot of problems. So even though they are killing in Google, a lot of technical issues with their website that need to be worked on. So good example, just on your website, Pat, is I was listening to some of your, I went back, I'm not a huge podcast listener, but I'm happy to listen to your stuff. Uh, I went back to some of your old episodes that you have on the blog and your pages are actually not secure anymore. So you have an SSL certificate, but the pages on your website are loading some images over HTTP rather than HTTPS. Not a huge issue, but it's the kind of example where you have a hugely successful brand, people working with you, you know, a great website, a great team, but there's still little issues here and there that can be worked on. So I am biased because this is what I do for my business, for a lot of companies. But yeah, absolutely. It's always it's always a good idea to audit your content. So just a really, really simple example is that now we're in 2019. A lot of the companies I work with, they have guides focused on these are the best, whatever it is, the best mattresses for 2017 or the best ma- or the best. Uh, massage chairs for 2018 and they still haven't updated that content so when people are searching best massage chairs their title tag says 2018 but everyone else is clicking on the title that says 2019 so there's there's always opportunities to go back check what is going on but i think i think the important thing is if you're ranking well and things are going well certainly don't be complacent with that i think actually more than anything you should also try to diverse traffic sources so, you know, consider what you're doing on Twitter or Facebook. Certainly don't sit back and think Google traffic is going to be forever. Maybe even try Google ads. Just see if you if you can profit with Google ads. You can just grow your audience massively. You can, you know, you already know what keywords are driving traffic to your website organically. Can you try bidding on those and just seeing if you can still make money there? People like Google ads, they can be expensive. But the reason Google is making billions of dollars is because people are buying those ads and still being profitable. So there's still lots of things you can do. Certainly don't sit back and relax. But yeah, I'm, I'm certainly an advocate of, of auditing the site. And just one more thing, as I said earlier, is just keep looking at the search results. If you suddenly lose rankings for something, just go check the search results and see what's there. In some cases, Google have added new video carousels or the you know the featured, the, the knowledge boxes or the answer graph and the big boxes that you see in the search results when you search for something, maybe that's taken over. Maybe you can look to optimize for that. But often if you if you lose traffic and rankings, the search results will tell you generally what you need to do next. Yeah, I've noticed that in a number of uh, keywords that I've used to be ranking for that a lot of the sort of definition boxes and the carousel for YouTube, those have sort of taken over. What What is Google trying to do there and, and what can we do to combat that? So I think the first thing, the most important thing is if you suddenly notice the traffic was gone and Google have changed things, don't be too reactive. People, I see people make this mistake. Oh God, I lost my rankings one day. Let me go buy links or let me go change the title tag of this page. And they're just too reactive. And it was just Google actually make, and they are, they are open about this. They make multiple changes to the algorithm every single day. I don't want to get the number wrong, but I believe they made over a thousand changes to the algorithm in 2018. So it's, you know, if something is going crazy one day, it may well be back the next day. So don't be too reactive. Give things a bit of time. It can be hard not to not to react to, oh, my God, I've lost all my search traffic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if, if you have if you have lost traffic, just go and see just go and see what changed. Did they go and add more video carousels or the video carousel? 
could you maybe create video content? Is it worth you creating a video or maybe hiring someone else to create a video for you to potentially recuperate that? Is the featured snippet, is the huge like answer box taking over the search result? Go and read some guides on how to get that, how to get those featured snippets, and then see if you can optimize your content for that. So there's try not to be too reactive, but then just really look at the search results and see what Google is rewarding. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, you know, obviously SEO is is how we can get people into our brand and, you know, you do a great job of, of helping big brands and businesses with that. However, how would you recommend a person when they collect this traffic? Because, you know, you're helping all these these websites and, you know, it's not just about the collection of traffic. It's about what you do with it. And how are you helping maximize conversions? Um, what's working for you and your clients these days uh, into like an email list, for example? Yeah, so a, a few important things are make it clear from the start exactly what your website is about. I, I've, uh, in, in the start of January 2019, uh, every year or so, this is only the second year, so I can't say every year, but every year I'm trying to do what I do is I do audits for charity. So I will look at your website for five minutes I will record my screen. I'll tell you exactly what's wrong with it. And I made a donation to charity. So at the start of January 2019, we raised over $2,000. That means at the start, it was $10 per review. Then I just got too many. So I made it $15. 100% of that went to charity. So that means in the space of a couple of weeks, I reviewed over 200 websites. So the most common problems I saw on these websites, first of all, is they had very interesting titles but the titles i mean the headline on the page not the not the title tag the headline on the page just said uh simplicity and not not perfection or something like that which which is cool and interesting but it tells you nothing about the website or the business and you you have to go and read all the small text to figure out what's going on uh so if, if that is you if i cannot go to your homepage and get the hook straight away if i don't if i don't see for example, the hook on on Pat's website is the nice little thing in the top right hand bar, which says, you know, income stats and things like that, or where where he's been featured or the Will It Fly book and how successful that was. Something like that hooks me in straight away as a first time reader. If you don't have something like that on your website, I would certainly look to make that happen and and really focus on the headline of the homepage or the pages that people land on the most and, and make sure that hooks people in. Another thing, because just because you brought up the email section, this is another thing that people make a mistake with a lot, in my opinion, is that they say newsletter or sign up here or give me your email address. And that is the big heading before the opt-in form. I would say about 70% of websites do this. So newsletter sign up or get our updates. And they don't say why. They don't say what is the reason? What is the pain point I'm going to solve for you? What is the what is the benefit you're going to get straight away from getting on my email list? So mine is something like get more search traffic. I don't say newsletter, and that's the big font. I say get more search traffic to your website. You already know exactly what I'm promising to do for you if you get on my email list. So I think that's the important one. Make sure the headline makes sense. Don't make people have to guess what the website is about. Don't, people, don't make people have to read your domain name to know what the website is about. It should be clear within a few seconds. And especially when it comes to email opt-ins, make sure you are addressing the pain point and that is creative and interesting and really hooks people in to, to what it is that you do and what your business is focused on. Great. Well, thank you, Glenn. I have one more question for you before we sign off here. And sure. again, make sure everybody check out detailed.com. 
And uh, he sends some amazing newsletters from there and also at gaps.com, just some really good and sometimes overwhelming. But, you know, if this is what you are interested <laughs> in, then definitely this is the person to go to. So uh, th- thank you again for, for coming on, Glenn. The final question is now that we are in sort of 2019 and, and looking forward into the future, what can we look out for? How can we stay ahead of what is happening and the changes that are being made in addition to always continually thinking about our audience and how to best write for them and create content and, and rank in, in certain ways? What are the maybe one or two top things we should be looking forward to and how can we sort of take advantage of those as uh, as the future comes? Sure. So that's a good question. So there's there's a bit of a kind of running joke in the SEO world is that every year people say the same things like Google is going to change. Search results are going to be different. Voice search is going to be more important. And, you know, people have been saying that for years. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with those, but it's people kind of tend to say the same things over and over again. I think the important thing with Google, especially because, you know, we're not so worried about Bing and DuckDuckGo as much as ranking our websites is just see what they're doing product wise. So we have Google Home. We have Google Assistant. How are they trying to solve people's problems? So a lot of people actually refer to SEO these days as kind of a growing movement of people who refer to these search engine optimization as answer engine optimization. So people are just speaking to their phone and, and waiting for search results. And Google are actually giving us more more ways to optimize for that. Mm-hmm. So I would I would just kind of, they have a blog. They have a Google Webmaster blog where they tell webmasters what is going on, what is being updated. They have a few blogs of you know great info to watch out for. So I don't want to make any crazy predictions. I think something that is never going to go away is ads and search results. I believe that Google, I believe that ads were clicked on 66% more times in 2018 than they were in 2017. So if you're seeing more ads in search results, or you think you are, you're probably not wrong. There are a lot more ads than there were before. Um, Usually fewer organic results. Google are getting into hotels. They're getting into travel and kind of getting in those industries. So for the large part, you just you just have to watch what's going on. No one really knows, unless you even if you work at Google, they you you're probably held back from knowing some things. I think just kind of the theme of this talk is just go to the search results, see what is going on, see what is happening, follow Google blogs if you have to, but otherwise just don't focus too much on one traffic source. See if you can diverse. You know, like Pat, you, you you're not just focused on search. You have your email list, you have your podcast subscribers on iTunes and you know other places so don't just focus on one channel really just watch the search results to see what's going on and and make that make that kind of something you check in on semi regularly so you're not out of the loop awesome Glenn thank you so much for taking the time and coming on again it's really great to catch up with you and see all that you're involved with and man you're just doing some bigger things every time I see you and and check on you and see what you're up to even from the sidelines you just keep Keep blowing my mind, man. Like, thank you so much for being an inspiration. Uh, one more time, where can people go to see what you're up to? Yeah, so again, Pat, thank you so much. It's been it's been nine years. So if we, if we talk in nine years again, hopefully we have a, um, hopefully we're both doing more exciting things as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so if, if you want to reach out to me, I check my emails all personally. So glenn at detail.com. So detailed is the dictionary spelling of that word. Glenn at detail.com. Detail.com is my main focus these days. So yeah, that's it detailed.com glenn thanks so much man. oh I appreciate you. sorry sorry can i just add it's glenn with one n everyone calls me glenn with two n's so okay. just one n glenn <laughs> at detailed.com glenn with one n yeah awesome thanks man take care and uh, have a great one thanks man
All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Glenn Alsop. Again, you can find him and all of his case studies and sign up for his amazing newsletter and his very detailed content at detailed.com. It just has that magic touch when it comes to ranking websites, and he's a great person who has a lot to share and always really actually cares about people, which is the coolest thing. So uh, make sure you check that out. If you wanna get the show notes and links to all the things that we mentioned today, all you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 371. Once again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 371. If you wanted to give him a shout out on uh, the Twitter, as our good friend Chris Ducker would say, uh, give him a shout out, at Viper Chill, just like it sounds, and, and make sure you tag me on that too, at Pat Flynn. Anyway, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Team Flynn, you're amazing. Thank you so much for sticking with me in this episode. I appreciate you so, so much. And like I said earlier, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, do that now. Uh, if all goes according to plan, sometimes plans change, but if all goes, goes according, blah, I can't even speak, I'm so excited. If all goes according to plan, uh, we're gonna have the, just a giant megastar uh, scheduled for the next podcast. So you make sure you hit subscribe so you get that delivered to you. It's gonna be somebody who is pretty much everywhere right now. So I'll leave it up to you to guess who that might be, but uh, until next week, keep crushing it. Team Flynn, I love you. Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.